What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. We are in the studio today talking about one of the greatest R-rated comedies of all time. It's Pineapple Express. I've got a very special guest in the studio. We'll see you guys to talk about it in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Uh-huh. There you go. That's hot. That's hot. <laughs> we're here, guys. We're back. We're in studio. We're talking movies. This is exciting. It's popcorn talk. I got a special guest. I wore my glasses today. Me too. Yeah. You did wear your glasses today. It's true. You decided to, you just could, you could tell I was going to wear them. You decided to just go for this look for the first time ever. I mean, that and needing to see. But, yeah, you know. right. Exactly. Exactly, guys. And you're here to see something very special. You're here to see a review of Pineapple Express here on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie related, and of course, pop culture by the bucket full. This is Action Movie Anatomy. First time guest on the desk today, first time, well, yeah, you've been on the show before, but first time uh, co-host, co-pilot of the show, associate producer of the show, Mr. Brandon Hanna. Let's give him a round of applause here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Brandon. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Uh, happy to be up here on the desk. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. You've been, uh, you, were, you were a fan, then you were the intern, now you're a competitor in the movie Tribute Schmodan, Brandon yep. the Hitman Hannah. That's right. I'm, I'm a fan of your character, and uh, we introduced you with Film Physics recently on the show, and now here you're on the desk uh, filling in for Andrew Guy. This is your audition to replace him while he's out of the country. Andrew on an airplane, um, headed to China right now. It's exciting. Yeah, big stuff for Andrew. Uh, we're talking Pineapple Express today, guys. This is uh, some of my favorite comedies ever. I think this was on our sheet, actually. This was requested, I feel like, by one of the generals at some point. And if I was better at my job, I'd know who it was. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, somebody somebody wanted this one, so we decided to uh, we decided to do it on the show. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I got a yeah. good laugh out of this movie. It's been a few years since I'd seen it. What was the last time you'd watched it? Um, before last night, it's been definitely a few years. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's funny because like there was this moment in two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, where like Seth Rogen just like hit at the right moment, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he was just in all these movies, right? Like, I remember, I remember he's got the small party plays Cal and 40-Year-Old Virgin, and then there's Knocked Up, which like kind of makes him a star. There was this movie, there was Observe and Report, yeah. and I think there was, like, one other around that um, Even Superbad. Yeah, Superbad. I believe, I believe they filmed it right around the same time as Pineapple Express. And so he's in all these movies, and I remember, like, there was a second there where the whole world was like, oh, wow, Seth Rogen, like, he's the, he's the guy. And it really feels like the second part of his career has actually been, like, the better part, because he's a producer now, and he's, like... Not that the movies he's made necessarily are better, but I think he like really lasted. He became like a kind of a fixture of Hollywood in a really, really positive way. Really funny, really like smart, great producer, great writer. But there was this like really short moment where I was like, oh, is this guy gonna burn out? I wonder. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder if the world's gonna get sick of him. Yeah, well he definitely uh, was able to prove that he was versatile, even getting into some voice acting work as well as the producing. He's the roles. voice of Pumbaa <laughs> in the new Lion King. Mm. Which I liked quite a bit actually. I've seen some of the reviews have been kind of polarizing. I enjoyed it, and I specifically liked him. He's great in it. So, Brandon Hanna, um, this is your first time on the desk, as I mentioned. Brandon originally did a segment on the Batman Returns episode where we had Janine the Bean, uh, Janine the Machine, on the desk, uh, and your segment was called Film Physics. We may be coming back to that segment a little later today, or at least in some small, small part, as there's uh, there are some physics to smoking a cross joint. We'll talk about it. But guys, uh, here on Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, we talk action movies. Those movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. 
it's one of those duo hero situations, right? I think so. Yeah. And I they kind of play by their own rules, but <laughs> I think I think they do more as the film progresses, they they start yeah. to 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 really uh, you know, just screw it and do what they got to do. Embody the action hero type operate, of thing. Operate outside of the law. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh rule number 2, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you in the room. Um I mean, Ted Seems to be, I think, kind of the smartest guy in the room. Like the Craig Robinson and that other whose name I can never remember. Uh, nobody's really very smart in this movie. They're all kind of idiots, right? Yeah. It yeah. seems like it. Yeah, they think that they're working with the Asians the whole time when they're just two idiots who just stumbled into right. this mess. Ed Begley, he seems like uh, maybe he's the smartest guy in the room. One of my favorite parts of the movie. Rule number three, the movie is driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Yeah, nope. None of those things. He's a, he's a servant? You're a servant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that doesn't adhere. And then rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There is at least one explosion in this film. Got a few people in the chat here, people I recognize. Dennis Gretzky, uh, the Shiznick. Got Will McClane in here, Denuzio. Um, why has Ben wearing Hitman glasses, asks Paul. You know, they're not Hitman glasses. I wore these glasses when I destroyed Andrew Guy in Houston. Um, you know, I just wear them sometimes, Paul. I decided I wouldn't shave. I'd wear glasses wear a t-shirt i'd mix it up so i could freak out the hitman not working no no i better not be on your list nothing phases the hitman nothing phases the hitman Hannah. we'll be doing schmodown corner a little later in the episode guys we'll be uh circling around talking about uh brandon his uh, one played match his the possibility of his next match some of the exciting stuff coming up here in san diego and of course action live in new york which i'm really excited to talk to you guys about some of you know some of you don't so stay tuned for more information on that coming up today on the show we are going to be talking about pineapple express uh we are going to be talking about the strangest casting choices in the history of comic book movies, um, and we're also going to be doing Schmodown Corner. Quick shout-out to some patrons. In the Patreon, Mac Ryan and Aaron J. Lancaster, two new generals in the Army. I believe that's correct. A.J. Lancaster is the general in the Army. I know Mac Ryan is. Uh, I should have the sheet in front of me. I don't. But either way, we salute you both. Thank you for all your support, your service. Um, great stream last night. You were in the stream last night, though, right? I, I chimed in for a few minutes. I wasn't able to stay in the whole time, but I, I know Kevin had a blast. Yeah, well, yeah. Action Industries, uh, it's our YouTube channel. Drew and I have where we, we post the full videos of the Action Guys. That's our other show we do for Collider. Uh, and we also do these live streams now three times a week. And we had our first ever guest on the live stream. And it was Kevin the Smasher Smets came on. Uh, he brought us he brought us some Macallan 12. <laughs> Paul and Richard sent us uh, custom AMA 200 glasses. And so we drank the 12, uh, as well as the bottle of Suntory that was given to us as a gift by Mr. Brandon the Hitman Hannah. We alternated between Scotch and Japanese whiskey. Nice. Uh, and uh, it had a great time, and it was, it was a terrific live stream. So if you guys want to go watch that, that's available on the Action Industries YouTube channel. I suggest we get into the first parts of the show today. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Where can the folks find you, by the way, if they want to follow along in the conversation? Um, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, at BrandonHanna07. Yeah. And, of course, in the movie trivia showdown as the Hitman. Excellent, excellent. Um, all right, guys, coming up as the first segment of the show, we're going to be talking about thesis statement. This is your biggest, boldest thought about the film. You know, you, you think something that uh, we almost want it to be like rooted in hyperbole, the greatest this, the best, the only, the first, the last. We don't really want it to be like this is my favorite Seth Rogen movie because, you know, that's just kind of a soft opinion. It should be something that's kind of a little stronger than that. So uh, this is what you'd bring up if you, if you wanted to talk about this movie at a bar. And uh, I'm going to say Danny McBride is the greatest comedy gimmick of the 2000s. I realized that while I was watching this movie again, because he's never really anything other than exactly Danny McBride. He kind of always speaks in the same weird way. His comedy mm-hmm. is like all about the delivery of his lines. 
Um, you know, I'm going to die now, probably. Like, the way that he delivers his lines, it's always like that. He's always that character. And it's such a gimmick, but it works so well. It's such, like, a fresh, different gimmick. And it isn't like where, like, Steve Carell was kind of a gimmick and parts of his career, but then he became a really fantastic actor doing all kinds of crazy different roles. Or, like, you know, Will Ferrell had, like, he would headline movies, right? He would play legitimate characters. And though he was always Will Ferrell, like, he would really go for it. It's like Daniel Bryan's never really trying to do anything other than exactly that one delivery, that one character. And it's the same in every single movie. But as far as, like, 90s comedy gimmicks go, I just don't, or uh, 2000s comedy gimmicks, I don't think there's a better one out there. Makes me laugh every single time. Yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree. Um, I think I actually read somewhere last night that uh, Danny McBride's character was originally supposed to die the first time he gets shot. Yeah. And then they realized how funny it would be yeah. if they just kept bringing him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it totally works. And I, I really think that's the moment where I noticed I fell in love with his character. It's because he's just like losing blood the whole rest of the movie from that point on. Right, and, right. And he, and he plays it up so well. Yeah, he's... Uh... Let's see here. That's a great thesis. Uh, let's see. Pineapple Express is a modern-day Abbott and Costello movie. Says Fishman Dildo. It's a good screen name. Um, ben looks like a character out of a Kingsman movie. Says Will McClane. Thank you. But who's he talking about? Which Ben is he referring to? We look exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be my thesis statement. What is your thesis statement, Mr. Brandon, the hitman, Hannah? So my thesis statement is, I believe at its core, Pineapple Express is a film about building and maintaining friendships. So I think this is actually one of the greatest buddy comedy films of all time. It's a really, really great one. Yeah, I think just the way, um, you know, at the beginning of the film, Seth Rogen... Um, and uh, James Franco, they like James Franco wants so hard to be his friend, yeah. Uh, but it, but you know it's just not happening. And then you see their friendship develop develop throughout the rest of the movie, yeah. And then at the very end, they just all come together, and there's that great scene of the three of them at the, the diner. diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like missing his ear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like we're, we're gonna get a heart shaped locket, and then he's like, I want the middle shaped locket. Is that that way? It has zigzags on both sides. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, is, it is one of the great buddy comedies ever. I agree with you. Um, I think that's a terrific thesis. And, and it is a movie about maintaining friendship. It's really funny. This movie is kind of a parody of the genre. You know, it's like you talk about the action comedy. And the action comedy tends to be that way. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard, right? Like, if you make a really straight-laced action movie that wants to take itself super seriously, like, it's just say, like, it's taken. Where it's like, you're, that's like a hardcore, just like legit action movie. It doesn't have a lot of sense of humor about itself. If you make an action comedy, it's very difficult for it to not be making fun of itself a little bit. You kind of have the characters have to be a little bit ridiculous. It has to be a little bit over the top. And Pineapple Express does this weird thing where it's like it almost takes itself too seriously in its like action and its violence at certain moments. Where you're like, are they trying to still be serious here? Are they like it doesn't feel like it's parodying parodying the genre as much as others do. Like Hot Fuzz is clearly is a parody of the genre, right? The whole time throughout, like. And it makes great use of it, but I think this movie is so interesting in that sense. Like, um, well, I think a movie like Hot Fuzz is very self-referential to the genre and to what it is, where I think Pineapple Express really stands out on its own a lot more. Yeah, David Gordon Green's a really interesting director, too, because like, obviously he just did the recent Halloween film, and he's a guy who, who has made all kinds of different movies. He's not just like a straight comedy filmmaker. He, he's super interesting. Um, Anyway, those are going to be our thesis statements. Share yours in the chat here. I'm going to look and see in the chat if anybody has a thesis that I want to share here. Reloading this so I can read it. Let's see here. Well, uh, Garth McMurray thinks that it's a talented Mr. Ripley situation where I will kill you and take your place. Mm, that's what he thinks, Garth, huh? 
Interesting, Garth. Interesting. Uh, I mean, he, he is a hitman, after all. Uh, I'm excited to get to that segment. I want to hear all about uh, your, your story as, as you got into the schmodown and what's next for you. The factions that you've got your eyes on, so to speak. Um, we're going to get into the next part of the show, though, guys. And this is Fist Bump Moment. This is that moment something happens in the movie. Come on, Grant. Look, are you seeing this right now? This is so cool. I'm so excited to get to watch the rest of this movie right now. It could be anything. It could be a line delivery, a touching look between father and son, the credits, your favorite music, anything. So uh, this is, is the moment I would encourage you guys in the chat to share yours as well. So we can share them here on the show. I'll jump in first with mine, um, and I noticed it. It's when uh, it's when Seth Rogen first goes to the high school, and he sees Amber Heard, and they're talking, and she's like, "He's like, I can't go," and she turns around, and she's like, "Why the fuck not, Dale?" <laughs> <laughs> and like the delivery is so over the top, but it's such like an over the top high school girl delivery, which is what I like so much about it. It's so funny that you're like. You're like, she's this extremely dramatic, demanding, like, adolescent girl, who, and he's, like, 25, and, and it's just, like, not a situation that should work, but the, the way that she plays that line just made me laugh so much at, like, she has to have thought about it, like, delivering it exactly that way beforehand, you know, just, like, angry, angsty, um, I just, I thought it was great. I think it's one of the, it's like a nuance to that. Mm-hmm. It's a nuance to this movie that I think is really, Definitely. really hilarious. There's a lot of nuance to this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So uh, my fist pump moment is it's in the the scene where Red, uh, Saul, and Dale are all fighting in Red's home. Yeah. And he locks himself in the bathroom. The exact moment where they knock down the door and Red hits his head against yeah. the sink and knocks <laughs> it off the wall. That was it. That was like... For me, the movie is a little slow build up until that point. Yeah, right. And I feel like the moment he hits that head against the sink, the movie just takes off. And yeah. I was just laughing from beginning to end after that. Yeah, it's the, that fight's really <laughs> sweet. He breaks the bomb yeah. over his head. And, like, yeah. I love... I also... Was, that's because that's one of my other favorites. He's like, I've got to go make a phone call. Yeah. He's like, no! No! <laughs> He's like, you ruined my portable Bullshit. phone! <laughs> yeah, you ruined my portable phone! You're going to knock down that door? You're going to pay for it? <laughs> Yeah, Danny McBride, all his lines are great. I first saw Danny McBride in um, in Hot Rod. So he's originally in this movie called The Foot Fist Way, which is like produced. I can't remember if it's produced by Will Ferrell or if Will Ferrell just found it and thought he was hilarious. But because Will Ferrell produced Hot Rod. And uh, if any of you guys have ever seen Hot Rod or heard us talk about it before, it's like, you know, the Sandberg movie where he's like a stuntman. It's got like Bill Hader and Danny McBride, Yomer Tacone. It's got... Um, uh, what's his name? Chris Parnell's in it. Sissy Spacek, Ian McShane, like a really good cast. Um, it's super, super funny. And Denny McBride is his like crazy. He's like his crazy buddy who like builds him all the ramps and like build and, and shit like that. I think. And uh, it's same thing. It's just all his deliveries are incredible. Everything he does. Uh, if you guys have never seen it and you're fans of Danny McBride, he's my favorite. Um, all right. Let's see anybody else in here who's got a fist pump moment they want to share. Let's see, I see right here, Dennis Gretzky, his fist pump is when Franco's leg gets stuck in the car window. (laughs) Fist pump, Craig Robinson's basis, 1996. Fist pump, yeah, when Franco's leg gets stuck. Paul Denuzio, fist pump, when Seth Rogen is crying about loving Amber and wanting her back for the rest of her lives, and she wants to marry him and he's tough on a dime. (laughs) I made a mistake. Uh, (laughs) That's such a good moment, Paul. 100%. I was realizing as I thought about it this morning that the... The scenes of the two of them are, like, I think a lot of my favorite scenes of the movie. Because my other fist pump moment, I think, is actually, I want to save it. No, because I have a different favorite line. So my other fist pump moment is when they're in the house, and uh, Ed Begley gets the gets the gun. 
And he's like, if either of you two move, I will take you outside and fuck you in the street. <laughs> like, no, don't fuck anything. Yeah. It's the best thing ever. That's uh, so good. I've always thought that line was so good. There's so many weird but, like, hilarious lines in this movie. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. We're going to continue moving through the show here. Those are fist pump moments and thesis statements. All right. Let's get into star profile. See where these guys were in their careers. It's a beautiful outline prepared by none other. Brandon Hitman Hannah, associate producer of the show. Sorry, guys, I'm sniffling all over today. You're all right, so happy that I'm here. Yeah, I'm getting really emotional. Yeah. I also have allergies, so <laughs> yeah, it's a lot less heartfelt. Um, Seth Rogen, his uh, three most recent films prior to this, and this is still pretty early in Rogen's career. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Rogen's in Freaks and Geeks, right? Yeah, I believe so. Right, him and Franco and Jason mm-hmm. Siegel. Yeah, all three of them. Um, so he was and Sam Levine, Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, yeah, freaks, of course, freaks and geeks. I was mixing it up with the kids in the hall for a second. Um, so, you know, Rogan in the few years prior to this, you know, in Step Brothers, he plays the sporting goods manager yep. when, uh, when when Dale lets out the, the really long fart. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can taste it. He's like, I like you guys. I like your style. You come in here wearing tuxedos? It's That's hilarious. It's funny. Yeah, I just want a couple guys that I can hang out with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Rogan's in that. Kung Fu Panda, he's the voice of Mantis. Is that really true? Yeah. Seth Rogan's the voice of Mantis? I would have guessed Mantis was like Angelina Jolie or something. Mm-hmm. Lucy Liu, maybe. You're 100% on that? I'm 100%. Would I make a mistake? Come maybe, on. Maybe. I don't know. I was testing you. <laughs> uh, and then in Horton Hears a Who in 2008 is the voice of Morton, which is a film I've never seen before. Uh, and then prior to this, as I mentioned, you know, he he's in obviously a 40 year old version in 05 or 06 or something like that. And then uh, Super Bad knocked up. So he, he was on a run there for a few years. I think Observe and Report is maybe 2009 as well. Um, on the other side of things, you have James Franco, Camille, 2008, In the Valley of Allah, 2007, Good Time Max, uh, 2018. What's that? Uh, I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but I know it's a movie that he was in. Gotcha. I got the date wrong, the year wrong, though. I, I think it was also 2007. 2007, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Solid, solid. No mistakes over here. That was my first mistake. Maybe you crossed that off the list there? I crossed it right <laughs> off. I wrote 2007. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Crossing things off lists. Um, so, uh, yeah, Franco Franco was a guy who, at this point in his career, I want to say Spider-Man 3 was 2007? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, so it's right before this. It was right before, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he plays uh, Harry Osborn, right? Yeah. The Hobgoblin or is it the Green Goblin? He's the Hobgoblin, yeah. Did they ever call him the Hobgoblin? Or does he call uh, the Green Goblin? I think, no, they only, well, there was that one line where Toby says, look a little Goblin Jr. You can right. cry. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> these glasses are, are hurting my head, so they're going to come off right now. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah. I've emerged. <laughs> um, yeah, so Franco at this point in his career, I think, was was still, I think, still sort of up and coming. He, I don't think he had really, like, cemented himself as a comedy guy yet. Like, he was the comedy guy. Because I, I feel like... And then, he, you know, he had a run in there as well with, like, 127 hours. But I almost I, think he's most synonymous now with comedy roles. Yeah, I think I think this was really the beginning of that of that trend. Yeah. Um, I think... But he was also just starting to direct uh, films himself, too. I think he did direct Good Time Max. Okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So, that's these, that's these two guys' careers. So, uh, now, right after this, after Rogan has success with Pineapple Express, he goes on to star in a film that I'm sure you've seen before, which is The Green Hornet. It's an inner geekdom yeah. movie, right? Yes. You've seen of it. Of course. You've studied it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. You've never actually watched it? No. But you have notes on it? You're aware of it? Oh, I'm aware. I'm aware of everything. So if I was to ask you a question on the Green Hornet, is it possible that you'd get it wrong right now? It's possible. Wow. Weak spot. 
This guy's going to have to study up on this one. I can't believe I'm this. watching it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple a couple that we wrote down here. Uh, Brent, Brent and I are going to do the uh, top five weirdest slash worst casting choices in the comic book movie genre. I don't know if you brought any of your own to this, but I wrote down a handful here that I thought were pretty strong. I think you hit all the, the ones that I was going to suggest. So. Uh, special shout out, honorable mention, Will I Am is Kestrel in uh, Wolverine Origins. Uh, that's a That's a terrible film. And he, it's the worst. He's not even. It's not even that he's that bad in that movie. It's no, more, not at all. It's more just that like, why does he exist? And also, why'd you cast Will I Am? He like looks pretty out of shape. He like <laughs> he doesn't really look like a superhero or like a or like a super anything. He mm-hmm. just like it's one of those things. Where it's like, hey, Will I Am want to like stand around and like scowl, wear a cowboy hat, and say things a couple times? He's like, sure, I'm famous. Why not? You know, he's not even an actor really. Yeah, well, I am. Um, all right, now so, so some of our, uh, our our other top five here. I think a good one to start with, Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. Two appearances. Two appearances. Never seen either of those films. Have I, you? I've seen them, but it's been a while. Okay, sure. Isn't, um, isn't the bad guy Wes Bentley in the first one? Uh, yes. What's the character's black something? Black fish? Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe fish? Maybe someone in the chat will... Uh... Hmm. Wow, so if you got asked who the villain was in Ghost Rider, you wouldn't get it. I'm exposing the hitman on air. Little does he know this was all a game. I was just going to tease him on air, and I was going to stump him. You're never coming to the horseman. Or maybe I'm purposely getting these <laughs> questions wrong so that people underestimate me. So they think that you're not very good. Okay. Exactly. That's fair. Um, all right. So uh, I'll say Nick Cage is Ghost Rider. Um, I wish I had seen the film so I could do a Nick Cage as Ghost Rider line. I'm Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Ghost Rider. Um, I, we, I feel like we don't need to rag on January Jones as Emma Frost any more than we already have because we just did that yeah. on an episode a couple weeks ago. But she is downright terrible in that movie. It's it's not the worst, in my opinion. But... Oh, you think, you think there's worse? I find her to be almost unwatchable in that movie. Really? Yeah, but I guess like there is some level of uh, Blackheart is what everybody says That's here. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I guess there is some level of like... You're supposed to be that character. She's supposed to like just say very little, and mm-hmm. right. But she has a couple scenes, and it's pretty cringy. Um, Topher Grace's Venom. Yes, it's one of the worst ever, right? It's it's pretty bad. I mean, I think he's a fine Eddie Brock. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just they just dropped the ball with uh, with him actually as Venom. Yeah. Where he just like it. It's just like his like the symbiote kind of just reveals his face. Right. He just, he's not intimidating not at, at all. all. He's got like the frosted tips, right? Doesn't he? I don't think so. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Uh, yeah, I was thinking as Venom, but no, as Eddie Brock. As Eddie Brock, yeah, 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 it's not very not very intimidating at yeah. all. Um, next up, you've got uh, Seth Rogen, obviously, as we mentioned, as the mm. Green Hornet, which I, I've never seen the Green Hornet, but I do remember it was a strange casting choice. It's one of those things where that's kind of what I was talking about. I think Hollywood yeah. had this idea for a second there that Seth Rogen was going to be like a leading man. Yeah. And like they were like, let's make a quirky superhero movie, like a, like a quirky crime fighting movie with him as the yeah. lead. And I think it, it's something they've tried a few times with taking a classic television series and trying to make like almost like a spoof comedy on yeah, it, with right. like Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, right. You know, is that movie a full comedy? I I I, w- I wouldn't say it's a full comedy, but the, I mean it's definitely goofy. <laughs> Isn't his uh, is John Cho Cato? Is that right? I think it, I thought it was Jet Li. Uh, maybe it is Jet Li. Yeah. I thought it was John Cho. Uh, and then last but not least, I think this is probably agreed upon by most as the worst ever, Halle Berry is Catwoman. 
Um, another movie I've never seen. A lot of these bad ones. So you guys in the inner geekdom division have to go and watch these terrible superhero films. Like you, all you guys, Smets, like I've heard you guys talk about, like he's watched Green Lantern like five times he's told me before. Like that's insane. It seems like such a waste of life to do that. <laughs> I, I have differences of opinion on it. I'm not gonna, I don't want to give away okay, the, sure. the, the secret study recipe right. of the hitman. But let's just say there are certain films that you don't have to watch as many times as others, especially if they're really bad and you don't want to. Right. Well, that's like that's like what I sort of started to realize. There was a brief minute there where I thought I was going to secretly study for intergeekdom, mm. like a year and like a year and change ago. I think in my mind I was like, yeah, I'm going to just do this under the radar. I was like, I'll get up at five a.m. every day. I'll knock out one movie every morning. I'll do it for like four months. Uh, I'll take notes on all of them, and I won't tell anyone I'm doing it. And I, that lasts that last for three days <laughs> after I was just like, I, I think I, there was like a bad movie that I had to watch. It was like the second or third one. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is miserable. I do not want to. I think it was X-Men Apocalypse. I got halfway through it. And I was like, I don't want to do this. This is awful. See, I actually kind of like X-Men Apocalypse. You do. I'm like one of the two people. What's good about X-Men Apocalypse? Um, I love this stuff with Magneto. And the, again, there's elements of family in that film with, with Quicksilver being his son. Right. And um, the X-Men being Magneto's true family and them coming together at the end. Well, that stuff with him in, like, the steel mill or whatever he's working. And then yeah. he gets attacked in the woods and he, and he kills his wife and he kills everyone. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's all great. Um, well, because Fastbender's the best part of the, other than, yeah. other than Jackman, he's, like, the good part of the entire franchise. Yeah, he makes them all watchable for yeah. the most part. And uh, even the elements with Mystique, I love um, how... All the other mutants look up to her as this great hero after Days of Future Past, and she doesn't want that role. Um, she just wants to be Mystique. <laughs> so you would say that on the whole, you're a pretty big fan of the Fox X-Men movies? I'm a pretty big fan. The only one I can't stand is X-Men Origins. I think it's a heaping pile of trash. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Did you see Dark Phoenix? Yes. Did you like it? I thought it was okay. I liked it well enough. Not as bad as a lot of people said? Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say. It's like right on the fritz for me like if I want to give it a fresh rating or not. Uh, I don't know. It's, what like, about it's last, either a five or a six. What about Last Stand? Last Stand, I, I think, like Apocalypse, there's redeeming elements about it. Huh. And how about The Wolverine? The Wolverine, I like. I've never seen that one. I think that's the only one I've ever seen. A lot of people think it falls apart at the end. I think it's okay. Yeah. I've been meaning yeah. to, to eventually watch that I know one. Kevin Smets is a big fan. Of, of The Wolverine? Wolverine? Yes. Yeah, interesting. I just love Jackman. And I love Mangold, so it's surprising that I've never watched that movie. But, you know, maybe someday I'll come for you guys and intergeek them and I'll try it. Good luck. Yeah. That's <laughs> the hit, man. We were joking about you last night on the stream, that picture that you posted of like yourself like wiping down the table. <laughs> that was Janine. <laughs> Janine posted that. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> I still do. I still do clean that table. No, I know. But I think the funniest part about it is that, like, even though you're doing, you're cleaning the table in all seriousness, yeah. I like that you have this, like, look in your eye like you're playing a part <laughs> but in reality you were just like behind the scenes helping out for a second yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic um so all right guys coming up next on the show we are going to talk a little more schmodown and something called schmodown corner it's a good sound but it's pretty good. I'll it's give really it to good, you. It's a really good clip. That was a wonderful moment for me. Um, but we're not here to talk about me necessarily. 
Brandon, we're here to talk about you. Uh, for those of you who are, are listening and, and watching, we are going to be talking about the movie trivia showdown briefly. It's a it's a show. Previously was featured by Collider. Uh, now is just on the movie trivia showdown YouTube channel, and uh, it's basically movie trivia beats w, uh, meets WWE. And uh, Brandon is a competitor in the league, so am I. So is Andrew. You guys have heard us talk about this a lot. Brandon competes in Intergeekdom, which is all the movies we're talking about. So Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, DC. You got one match under your belt. It was a four-way. That's uh, true. Five, five people? Four people. It was a four-way. Okay. Yeah. You uh, knocked out in the end Chance Ellison? Uh, so the only person I knocked out was Keaton Markey, but I beat Keaton Markey, uh, Chance Ellison, uh, who we all know, and Chandru Duntapani. He's a, a fellow rookie. And adorable. He's all right. <laughs> he lost. Yeah, he did. He did lose. <laughs> I crossed his name off my list. Yeah, okay. The hitman crossed his names off. So now now that you've taken on, uh, you've got your first win under your belt, you know, people are talking about you, like you're a force to be reckoned with. Um, do you have any awareness of your next match, or is that not out there yet? We can't talk about it. Um, there, there will be another match, um, but I don't know if we could talk about specifics of it, but you will see the Hitman again. Okay. You, so, so, and then, uh, you, you're, you're in the league. Uh, you've got to have your eyes on factions. They have factions in the Schmodown guys. So I'm in one called the five horsemen. It's the greatest faction of all time. And, uh, you know, we don't have, uh, we don't have a proper inner geekdom competitor right now in the league because, uh, you know, Jason Inman used to be in the, in the league, but you know. He turned and ran, and uh, so now we have uh, you know now we have a spot in the the five horsemen, and you'll never get it, Brandon. So take your eyes off me right now. Listen, I, I don't really play favorites. Whoever is the highest bidder, that's who I'll answer to. <laughs> okay, and you're just staying in character. The hitman. Ooh, everyone's got a price. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like coming up with lines. Um, I like coming up with lines for characters. I've been trying to get Drew for a while to. To say in the family, um, I want him to like end interviews with like because family is all that we have. And yeah. <laughs> he's never said it before. I don't think, <laughs> but I've always thought it was like it'd be an awesome line. I, um, I think about catchphrases all the time. Yeah, my, my personal go-to now is when your name ends up on the list, it gets crossed off. It gets crossed off. Right. You got to yeah. pause before you say it gets crossed off. I remember in New York when I back in February when I came out my final line. I think I said like. Uh, what did I say like you've been like you've been dismissed or like like this is me- oh, meeting adjourned I think is what I tried to end it with uh, didn't didn't catch on nobody really <laughs> I would have liked it yeah I thought it was cool but, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway so coming up this weekend there's a couple big matches going on in San Diego San Diego Comic Con is going to feature a headliner of uh, Mike the Killer Mike Ko he used to be Killer Mike Ko Kalinowski or is he Killer I think he's still the Killer but people call him Ko. Ko. Yeah, Mike, uh, the killer Kowalski, uh, currently challenging the the right now champion Rachel the Crusher Cushing for the Inner Geekdom Belt. That's going to be at the Joan B. Crock Theater this Saturday night in San Diego with the undercard of our boy Kevin the Smasher Smets. He's part of the Dungeon playing against Adam Lavic, who I don't think has a faction, nope. as far as I can tell. Um, Lavic, uh, very very talented. Who you got? Who, who are your picks for uh, for this weekend? I think uh, oh, I've got to go with Kevin Smets for the undercard. I know Adam is a very talented competitor, but uh, I know that I know the work that Kevin puts in, and I know just how talented he is. Yeah, and I know he's really hungry for it, especially after that loss to, to Mike at Collision. So I'm going to have to go with with Smets. Talking through him with him last night about that loss and that moment when he said the wrong line. It's tough. It was tough. Listening to recount it, he yeah. just you know, he and like all of us who take losses, he held on to it so hard. It's hard not to. You know, I've done that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that's like yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> Uh, and then as far as the main event, what do you got? I think 
I'm going to have to give the slight edge to Mike. Yeah. You think I he's think, hungrier? I think he's hungrier. Uh, last time they played for the belt and Rachel took it from him, uh, Mike took advantage of the extra rounds in the championship match and was able to overcome an eight-point deficit to go to sudden death. And I think he's he's not going to let uh, himself fall into another eight-point deficit, mm. which I think is what's going to put him over the edge. Interesting. Yeah, it does seem like Mike is uh, is pretty focused. Um, you know, Rachel's obviously been at it for a while. She's been playing in multiple, multiple leagues, and but uh, she's, beat, she's beaten him multiple times. Yeah, well, this is her fourth match. Is that what the promo says? Third or fourth? I, I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think from from the perspective of you know who who wants it more, I feel I feel like I'd give it to Mike, but uh, he's going to lose because Rachel's better. So that's <laughs> that's what I feel. <laughs> But it'll be streaming live, uh, theschmodownlive.com. If you guys want to buy a streaming ticket or uh, get tickets to the actual show, I'll be there. Are you going to be there? I will be there. You'll be there, yeah. We'll all be in San Diego hanging out. It's going to be a great time. And last but not least, uh, the road to New York, guys. The last bit of Schmodown Corner here. August 31st, Schmodown goes back to Manhattan for a title match. The winner of the upcoming title match of Dan Merle versus Pauliyama. The winner of that match is going to be playing the winner of a little, little mini tournament that I'm part of right now where I will be playing Mike Kalinowski as well in the singles division. The winner of that match will play Jeff Snyder, and the winner of that match will play the winner of Dan versus Paul. Paul's on a warpath right now. It's pretty wild to watch. Uh, he's 3-0, and or is he 4-0? He's 4-0 now, yeah. Yeah, so going in, uh, is yeah. he 3-0? I can't, I can't remember how many matches he's had to win to get this match against Dan. He's 4-0. He, he won his first match against Brendan Meyer, right? and then he beat Josh McCuga, oh, yeah. and then he beat Chance Ellison, and then Liz Shannon. That's right, so he's 4-0. So he's 4-0. 4-0. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, that's a real challenge. Yeah. You know, to win, four, to win four matches in this league in a row is really hard to do. Um, I think I've done it twice. I want to say in teams. I've never done it in singles. And uh, it's because of the way that matches can turn on a dime, it's so easy to lose. Yeah. It's just like it can just not go your way one, one day. One question can make the difference. You get a bad set of questions. You get tilted. Your opponent gets hot. Sinner's opponents. Like that, for the things to break in your favor that many times is very hard. So, you know, congratulations to Paul. He's old school action army. You know, now he's obviously part of the dungeon. Um, but uh, for getting this title shot, it's going to be definitely a lot of fun to watch. And uh, my, my boy Dan Merle is going to take care of business because he's the greatest of all time. But that should be a pretty exciting one to watch. I think that airs this week maybe. Uh, yeah, I believe it's on Friday. Yeah, as we get ready for San Diego. So uh, now the winner of that is going to be in New York. But the last part of this, and this is kind of a continuation of Schmodown Corner, is that Andrew Guy, my co-host on the show, co-creator of the Action Brand, and I, we are playing at New York Comedy Club on that Thursday. So Schmodown is on the Saturday. If you guys are going to see the show, you can see Andrew and I performing at 10.15 p.m. at New York Comedy Club on that Thursday night. We're coming in two days early. Whether or not I'm going to be there for an actual match to play in you know, the major tournament to play the winner of this title, uh, I will be there performing at the New York Comedy Club. So tickets are on sale now. If you're a patron at patreon.com slash teamaction, you get a discount code. You can go. We'll send you that message there if you're a patron, so ask for it. But uh, go check it out, New York Comedy Club. We're on the schedule. There's a super sweet thumbnail that was created. Um, I probably should put the link to that in the description of this video. would be a smart thing to do. Um, but go check it out. It's going to be super exciting. So we're going to get back to talking about this film. Off come my sunglasses. See, I would have put sunglasses on, but the hitman likes to look people in the eyes when he, he beats them. He likes to look them. people in the eyes. You're not trying to beat me here. You're just <laughs> guest on the show. <laughs> we're out of Schmodown Corner, Brandon. I'm always in Schmodown Corner. <laughs> I live in Schmodown Corner. Do you love it as much as I do, Schmodown? I am absolutely obsessed with it. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Me too. It's unhealthy, really. <laughs> I think. I think for a lot of us, it's that's 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 how it gets for all of us. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's difficult to not. Uh, it's difficult to not get like just super, super, super hyped 
on it all the time. Yeah. Especially when like promos start airing, your friends are playing in matches, but it also just destroys you and like, burns you out. And hundred percent, I've been at it for two years, man. It's longer now, and uh, I still don't have a title, so. <laughs> You'll get there. I hope so. I hope so. So, all right, guys, we are going to talk a little bit about production development on this film. The inspiration for making this movie is actually the character of Floyd, played by Brad Pitt in True Romance. He's on the couch. He's the stoner. The idea was that they thought it would be funny to make a movie where Floyd got up and left his apartment and was chased by bad guys. So that's where this movie came from. Um... According to Rogan, the ideal production budget was $40 million, but because it was a movie about weed, the studio only was willing to give them 25 so they had to make it for uh, you know significantly less money than they, they would have otherwise. Um, you know, I actually talked to David Gordon. I've actually interviewed a bunch of the people in this movie. Oh, really? So I've interviewed Seth Rogen twice. Um, he's, he's pretty awesome. Uh, one of them I got to talk to him for 15 minutes, uh, like a full-on conversation. Uh, that was for Red Carpet Report, and the other one was for Popcorn Talk at the Preacher premiere a couple years ago. Uh, David Gordon Green, the director I interviewed last summer about Halloween, and I asked, I actually asked him about a sequel to this film because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. And I told him that, you know, he's worked with Nicolas Cage. Uh, he's directed Cage. He's, you know, directed this film. What does he think about putting Cage in the sequel to Pineapple Express? And he went a step further and he was like, I think it's a great idea. I think we should take his, take his character in the movie that he made called Joe and put that character in Pineapple Express too. So Gordon Green's all about it. Well, do you think they would follow the outline from This is the End, where they make that fake uh, Pineapple Express, too? <laughs> and, uh, and Jonah Hill's like, well, he's, he's like, uh, he's playing Woody Harrelson, right? He's like, I was the one who gave Steve Jobs the idea for the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find a way to cover This is the End on one of these shows. It's one of my favorite comedies. Yeah, dear God, it's uh, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. It's so funny. You're supposed to be an Oscar-nominated person. Um so, uh, yes, but uh, the, the people in this film are all super, super talented, super creative, and, and a great group. Seth and Evan, uh, Evan Goldberg, who is Seth Rogen's producing partner and co-writer, have worked on a ton of different stuff together. Um, everything from Preacher to they produce almost all of their films together. And uh, uh, Green, David Gordon Green, the, the, the director, co-wrote the film with Danny McBride, but he also, co I believe, co-wrote Halloween with Danny McBride. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so he's like you know they they work together and and like I said they go yeah. in and out of. I genre. believe they pitched the idea for the Halloween uh, sequel uh, together. Yeah, yeah, it's a good sequel. I like that Halloween. I'm movie a big a lot. fan actually. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen the original. Really? Yeah. So on oh, my hundred wow. hundred films I lit, uh, missed list that I this project I'm doing this year that I've been tweeting about for the last little while I'm like 35 movies into it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the major weak spots was the original horror films. So I'd never seen Nightmare, I'd never seen Halloween, I'd never seen Friday the 13th, and I'd never seen Child's Play. So I think all four of them are on the list. And I'm actually going on a podcast hosted by Hunter A. Chambliss, one of the okay, action, action yeah. advisory board members, uh, talking about, I think it's Friday the 13th. I'll have to check with the, because I have to watch it before the podcast. It's either Friday the 13th, the original Halloween, but I think it's Friday. Okay, yeah. So I'll be watching. See, that. outside of inner geekdom, horror is my next biggest fandom. Okay, gotcha. Horror geeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's never been a big strength for me. <laughs> That's always you know. I always miss questions on horror. So, um, all right, guys, we are going to continue moving through here, talking about critical and box office. This was released by Sony Columbia. Um, August six, two thousand eight, was the opening date. Made twenty. Uh, opened. Sorry. It's on the next page here. <laughs> opening weekend, it opened at number two with twenty three point two million dollars behind the Dark Knight which made 26 in its fourth week in 2008. That was the Dark Knight Iron Man summer. All the money eaten up by Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne. Um, this movie made a domestic total of $87.3 million, 14.3 foreign, for a total of $101.6 million. Now, on a $27 million budget, even if they throw in another 14 to 15 for marketing, that's still a pretty good take, which is why they made Your Highness, 
<laughs> and then never made another movie together. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> it's another one I've never seen before. You don't uh, have to. <laughs> you watch it? Yeah. Yeah, it's supposedly really horrible. It's terrible. It's like unwatchably bad? Almost. I watched it's... um <laughs> Holmes and Watson on the airplane uh last week, and that was unwatchably bad. It was the what's the worst Will Ferrell movie I've probably ever seen. That's what I keep hearing. I I, I, I stayed away. It was like appalling how bad that movie was like i couldn't even believe and i when i saw the trailer i could tell because like nothing in the trailer was funny mm-hmm. and like you know in those in those comedy situations when they're trying to really make you want to go see it like they have to throw in the best jokes if it's a bad movie even if there's only three funny jokes and uh they were they were all all terrible so real shame considering how funny you know stepbrothers and uh some of the other fantastic ones are uh speaking of uh you know movies in this genre uh there's actually been an episode top five r-rated comedies that i'm doing this week on the action guys special guest mark riley my teammate on who's the boss one of the five horsemen the five horsemen greatest faction of all time um he and i are gonna be talking about the top five r-rated comedies each of us having our own list here so excited about that uh this film has a 68 percent by all critics on rotten tomatoes and a 73 percent by top critics or i think it's the other way around actually um but uh 7.0 on imdb those seem like kind of low scores for this movie, to be honest. I feel like this movie's pretty well loved. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little low, still fresh. Um, I think it's one of those movies where the the good reviews are great reviews, but percentage wise, it doesn't quite pan out looking that way. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. right. Um, thank you, Billy, for letting me know that I'm way behind. That only 35. We're already in July. Yes, I'm aware. I'm well aware, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you uh, keeping track there for me, Bedford. Son of a bitch. Um, he's not. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's a general in the, he's the army. worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we're going to get into favorite line. Your favorite line in the film. What you got, Brandon? So, my favorite line is actually when they're talking, when they sit down to talk about the cross joint. Yeah. And uh, Saul says, This is like the apex of the vortex of joint engineering. It's rumored that M.M. O'Shaughnessy designed the first one. The guy who designed the Golden Gate Bridge, my second favorite civil engineer behind Hans Carl Bandel, Madison Square Garden. Which is like such a bizarre lie. <laughs> I love the fact, and they play it throughout the rest of the movie, that he loves civil engineering. Yeah. And he wants to be a civil engineer after he's done selling drugs. And he's like, he's like, what's your future, man? He's like, I'm going to be building uh, septic tanks in, in parks. The kids like, can take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So talk to me, uh, before we get to my favorite line here, how does this cross-joint work? Is it, do, you, do you think it's physically possible? I've heard that actually Seth Rogen, apparently in some video, explains it. Really? I've heard that he like actually t- walks you through it. But uh, well, in your... I would love to hear if you have a hypothesis as to if you think it, it does make you what, like t- higher, 10 times higher, whatever they say in the film. It seems absurd. It yeah. seems preposterous to me. Um, I can't imagine it would work. Like, seems like the seems like the smoke trying to travel through such a small area. There would be too much smoke. It would like combust or burn in a different way, or or clog or something. But uh, or like suffocate itself. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an expert on the topic. It's well, like, I know in the movie they say when you light all three ends at the same time, the smoke converges, creating a trifecta of joint smoking power. Yeah. <laughs> I I I don't think I, I think smoke is smoke at the end of the day. I don't think. Uh, you can make it any more concentrated by creating a cross joint. However, there is there is something scientific about this film. 
Now, this is actually this actually comes from Seth Rogen on Twitter last year. He tweeted different facts about the behind-the-scenes production of the film in honor of its 10-year anniversary. And he tweeted that the name Pineapple Express was around years before the movie. It's a Hawaiian weather system that sometimes hits the Pacific Northwest, which is where we're from. Even heard, uh, sorry, Evan heard the name and said, that would be a great name for a movie. Years later, we found a perfect fit. Ah, interesting. Interesting, because it's a real strain of weed, right? That's the... I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real strain is what I've heard. I, I think I think the, the strain of weed is named after the film. Oh, interesting. And the film is named after this uh, weather, weather system. This weather system that's called the a- Atmospheric River. Interesting. So it drops all the water from the Pacific onto the West Coast. My favorite line is uh, <laughs> in high school. It's, it's the high school scene again uh, after that guy, like Trevor or whatever, he comes up. And he's like, you left your shorts in my car. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, man. Next year, I'll be watching her ass for you. Wait, no, all that whole thing. And at the yeah. end of it, he's like, all right, Trevor, well, nice to meet you. He's like, all right, let's go suck today's dick. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. It's like that that's the stuff in this movie that is just so funny to me. Is like, how do you come up with that? Why do you like why does that kid say that? Is that improv? Is it written? Uh do you decide you find you cast the kid and then you have him say it because it's funnier? I don't even know what it was, but when that line happened, I like lost it. There's also some funny there's some funny lines in the opening scene with Bill Hader. He's pretty he's pretty terrific yeah. also. And I like everything Gary Cole does. Another guy I've interviewed, actually, Gary Cole, the SAG Awards a few years ago, told me he has the best hair in the business. He's, oh. got, he's got good hair. Oh, nice. The sweet. I, I love him in Talladega Nights. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's great. Office space, fantastic. Lumberg. All right, guys, uh, we are going to move on to the last couple parts of the show here. AMA question for the week. This was asked by Josh Ryan, alumni, uh, legend of the AMA question. Is this the best use of Danny McBride in his career? It's funny, Josh, that it pertains to my thesis, which is that he's the best gimmick. I sort of think that he's of equal use in most of his roles. Um, I really, really, really like him in Eastbound and Down. I think he's like pretty fantastic in that. And I think Hot Rod is my other favorite. I would say actually Hot Rod is my favorite. I think it's the funniest. But uh, he's pretty terrific in this movie. Everybody always remembers Thug Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember we used to quote that a lot. I love, so. I love that, that scene where they're getting the guns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would think I, I would be inclined to agree with with Josh. I believe, um, as we were talking about before, I think this particular performance really is a standout among his career, where he's often very funny, but seems to be playing a similar role. Right. Where I think because of how he's playing up this character, if he's always injured and constantly losing blood and in need of medical attention, right, he plays this his like extra loopy, loving version of himself, which I think just really really plays well and is hilarious. <laughs> You ruined my portable phone. (laughs) So good. Um, All right, guys. There's only the last couple things left to do on the show here. There are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous. Totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate. I think this is a really really interesting movie for this conversation because of the nature of how seriously it takes itself in certain moments and others, how absurd it is. I have to say this movie is totally ridiculous. I think it's... As much as it tries to take itself seriously, I still think just it is. The concept of it is totally ridiculous that's that's my vote i i think i would be inclined to agree i almost want to say ridiculously legitimate right um because it's just like i said with my thesis the elements of friendship um and just it's it's just has good themes and uh the characters are kind of relatable and right but at the end of the day it, it's totally absurd yeah it's completely <laughs> absurd um but i did see here that garth mcmurray said the strain did come before the movie g13 labs claims it originated the strain in the mid-2000s Selecting huh. Trainwreck and Hawaiian as parent genetics. 
Interesting. So I don't know anything about weed science, but that sounds legit to me. Garth, thank you. That sounds super legit. I wish Drew was here, the pothead of a group. He would know <laughs> way more about this than we would. Um, you know, or he would just claim to to make us look stupid. So, um, only one last thing left to do here, guys, on the show, and that is called the pitch. <laughs> nice. You're waiting all day for that one. Waiting my whole life for that one. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> Hitman. Way to go. Uh, next week on the show, we are going to be covering Inglorious Bastards, a film that features former Schmodown champion Sam Levine. Um, so we're really excited to talk about that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming out. We have an episode of The Action Guys that sort of pertains to some Tarantino stuff. Stay tuned for all that, guys. It should be really exciting. Brandon, if the folks want to follow along with you, where can they find you one more time? You can follow me at BrandonHanna07 on Twitter and Instagram, and as the hitman in the movie trivia showdown. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram. Go check out Action Industries across all social platforms. Twitter, Instagram, at Team Action Show on Twitter. We have a YouTube, Action Industries, just slash Action Industries. Uh, live streams there going up all the time, and we have this other show, the Top 5 R-Rated Comedies, going up later this week on the Action Industries YouTube as well as Collider's Podcast Network. So thank you guys all so much for supporting. Thanks for following. Get your tickets. Action Live in New York. And a big shout-out to the Generals Andrew Hayes, Paul Denuzio, Bill Belford, John Getz, John Patterson, Jake Yacoveta, Kyle Grandinetti, Jonathan Peck, Kelsey Kirkland, and Mac Ryan. We salute you. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.